Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, I neglected to mention one thing here during announcement time, um, but tonight we're going to be having a reception uh, for Mike and Debbie Johnson, and Debbie's right here, Mike's working this morning, isn't he? Poor man has to work, but he will be here tonight, and we're going to do the very best we can to embarrass them and have some fun with them, but uh, they got married last Sunday, it's official, they're still happy, and uh, we're praising God for that. And so we're going to have some cake and ice cream and other things downstairs. And if you bring something for them, I'm sure they wouldn't turn it away. So uh, just looking forward to a sweet time of fellowship tonight after the service. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Let's go ahead and stand together in reverence to the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And uh, we're going to read four verses here, beginning with verse number 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 14. The Bible says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful, wonderful morning you've given to us. Father, I thank you for the number of folks who've come out today. I pray that in the next couple of minutes, Father, as we turn our attention completely to your word, that your Holy Spirit would touch every heart. Um, Father, I, I know that in a group this size there's a very likely possibility that there are some in here that have never been born again. And I pray that if that's the case, today would be the day of their salvation. And Father, I pray for those that are born again, that heaven's their home, Christ is their Savior, that Lord, you'd lay some things on our heart. And Father, you'd show us what you have for us from this passage today. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse number 17, is one of the most liberating verses in the Bible. Now, we're not going to be using that as a text this morning, but I think it bears saying that, folks, if you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are a new creature, a new man in Christ. And I praise the Lord. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And boy, i got to tell you, um, <laughs> I'm so glad that I've been liberated by the blood of Jesus Christ today. And I pray that you in here, you've come to that place in your life where you have made that decision, you've accepted Christ, you've made heaven your home, and by the grace of God, you're a child of God this morning. And my friend today, don't, don't you leave this building without knowing for sure that you've been given liberty through the blood of Jesus Christ. But this morning, the verse that I want to really concentrate in, and really our text this morning is almost going to be one word, is found in verse number 14. The Bible says, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. The word I want to look at this morning is constraineth. Constraineth. This, this word, when applied to the love of Christ, adds a wonderful depth and definition to what I know about my Savior's love. I uh, went through a whole study here in the last several weeks and, and looked at this word constraineth, and it's a powerful word, and today I want to give you some things that I think if you, if you pay attention, you'll go home with something today about the love of Christ. Jesse, are you up there? Anybody who's upstairs? Brother Leo, can I have you sneak up? Jesse's up there. I need you to drop the screen, Jesse, and get us. We're going to try this again, okay? 
We're going to try to use a computer during the service. We'll see what happens, okay? Pay attention. I don't generally use PowerPoint, but this morning we'll give it a go. And uh, I got a lot of verses I want to look at. We don't have time to get through everything that I want us to get through, but I'm going to do my very best. The word constraineth. The word constraineth, it's, it's not used often in the Bible. It's used three times in the Word of God. You'll find it once in the book of Job, and you'll find it two times in the New Testament. Once is constrained, the other one is constraineth. And this morning, I want us to look at this word, and I want us to grab hold of what it means. The Bible talks about the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. Now, this word has a lot of definition to it. The first definition that we're going to talk to, and is it on behind me? All right. The first definition, can you all read that? Okay, the first definition is it holds me together. It holds me together. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians in chapter number 1, verse 16 and 17, that by Him all things, by Christ, all things consist. Jesus Christ is what holds us together. And this morning, folks, I want you to understand, the love of Christ is what keeps us together as an individual. It keeps us together as a, as a person. It keeps us together as a family. It keeps us, it, it's what holds us together. The Bible says by all things, that by Him all things consist. You see, my Savior is what binds me together. This universe is here this morning because by the grace of God, He holds it in His hand. Do you understand that God in His love and His mercy and His grace, the Bible says that He placed the planets and the worlds where they are? Do you, and, and you get into this. It's amazing to me how people who claim to be scientists can't be born-again Christians. I mean, folks, it's, it's incredible, but if our solar system were just a few, a few miles or a few set, uh, millimeters off, in some cases, our solar system would fall apart. I mean, the world's... Do you know that if we were any closer to the sun, we'd fry? Amen? I mean, it'd just be one consistent move around the sun as far as human beings are concerned. And if we were any further away from the sun, we'd freeze? It's incredible, but, but God is the one who, who placed the worlds where they are. God is the one that holds them by, in His hand where they set today. And I wish we'd grab hold of that, because by Him all things consist. He is what holds us together. But on a much more personal level, my, my home is held together by Christ. My marriage is held together. My kids, my relationships, my ministry are held together by Him. He is the glue that keeps us and binds us. This life and the many things that it holds is like a glass of water being poured out. And folks, i got to tell you, as that glass is being poured out, our hands, we try to grab that water, but it's, it's almost as if you go down to the river and you, and you scoop your hand into that water and you bring it out and you watch and a few moments later your hand is dry. You can't hold it. You can't keep it together. You can't be the glue. But my friend, when a life has Christ and a life has meaning, by Him all things consist. He is able to grab hold of that and to keep us together. I look this morning at my health. I look at my senses. I even look at my sanity. And they are all held together, not by modern medicine, not by psychiatry, not by counseling, but by Christ. And this morning, I want you to understand, see, the love of Christ constraineth us. It keeps us together. It keeps us bound, and it holds us. Secondly, this morning, the love of Christ, it arrests me or binds me to Him. One of the most peculiar passages in the Bible, and it occurs multiple times, and I think, Jesse, you got it up there for me? Go ahead and go to the second one. Stay with me here, Jess. It arrests me or holds me together. Five times in Paul's epistles, he refers to himself as the prisoner of Jesus Christ. 
Now, those of you who are Bible theologians and historians, you know that Paul spent a great deal of time in prison. Paul was imprisoned and later killed for his faith. But I want you to understand, Paul did not refer to himself as a prisoner of Rome. He did not refer to himself as a prisoner of Caesar. He did not refer to himself as a prisoner of the Sanhedrin. Though he was all of those, Paul referred to himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Jesse, go to the next screen. we got three more verses. And folks, what I want you to understand is this morning, see, the love of Christ, it constrains me to him. Paul said, I am not bound by chains of man. I am bound by the love of Christ. You see, Paul was a free man. He was a man with great liberty in Christ. But look what he refers to himself as in all five of these passages. He said, I'm a prisoner of my Savior, a prisoner. And he said, I'm not trapped, by the way, by the rules and regulations of Judaism. Now, the Bible teaches us and tells us that Paul was a Jew of the Jews. He kept the law in all places and in all manners, but he was not bound by it. You see, he followed the the Jewish law stringently and to the letter of the law. But that was not what bound him to Christ. And we need to understand that this morning. You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 that the love of Christ constraineth us or it arrests us or binds us to Him. No, it was the simple fact that Jesus loved Paul that kept Paul his prisoner. Paul was given ample opportunity to walk out And yet every time he said, absolutely not. He said, Jesus loves me. And he said, I'll not quit and I'll not go back. Let me say this this morning. You'll never know how much someone loves you until you're willing to take your manipulative hands off and see if they are still bound to you. I'm amazed in our world how we try to manipulate relationships. And yet God never manipulated me. Folks, do you know that today I could walk out of my Christianity? And I don't mean I could walk out of my salvation, but I could walk out of my testimony. I could destroy what God has given me the ability to have through 36 years of life. I could go down to the local tavern and I could get as drunk as I wanted. I could go up and find a drug dealer, and you know our area is full of them, and I could shoot myself up and get as high as I, as I can imagine. I could divorce my wife. I could walk out on my kids. But friend, I'm going to tell you something right now. God gives me that ability, but His love constrains me or it arrests me to Him. And the Apostle Paul said, I am His prisoner. No, the, the chains of Rome do not keep me bound to my Christianity. No, Caesar, you don't intimidate me. Felix, I'm not scared of you. I love my Savior. And I know beyond that, He loves me. And I'm constrained by His love. Thirdly, this morning, the love of Christ, it preoccupies me. In Colossians in chapter 1, and I'm going to flip my Bible over there. You should be able to see it on the screen in front of you. But Colossians chapter 1, it says, He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. It preoccupies me. It preoccupies me. See, that word constraineth means I'm entirely engrossed or I'm infatuated. I'm head over heels in this instance. And the instance in the Scriptures is the love of Christ. The love of Christ, my friend, this morning, it preoccupies 
my mind. Do you remember going out on that first date with that person you now call your spouse? Do you remember the first time you saw her or ladies, the first time you saw him and you went out and you went out to eat? And do you remember how carefully you ate? Do you remember you ordered something that you were sure wouldn't get stuck in your teeth? Yes? Do you, do, you, do you remember how you made sure that, that, that your shirt was tucked in and your, and your socks were pulled up and your shoes were tied and your hair was combed and your teeth were brushed and your cologne was on and your deodorant was in? Amen? And you remember all of those things and how seriously you took it and you were just totally engrossed in the one thing that was in front of your face at all times. It preoccupied you. That individual just every time you'd go to work, fellas, and at work you'd find yourself thinking of how beautiful she was. You'd think of how, how cute she looked in that outfit or how her eyes looked in, in, in that sunlight. Or you'd think of that wonderful time you had walking down by the river. Or you would think about all it preoccupied your mind. And you remember after you first got married, right? And boy, you got to come home and you actually looked forward to getting home to see her. Amen? What, what changed, amen? But you, I mean, you'd get off of work and you'd punch the time clock and it would be like, man, I got to get home because I got to see her. I am totally head over heels infatuated. Now you stop at the bank, you stop at the gas station, you stop at your friend's house, you might make it home by about 9.30 at night, amen? Where were you? I just got off work. Yeah, four and a half hours ago. I know how it happened. But, but, but folks, what I'm trying to get you here is see the love of Christ. The Bible says it's supposed to preoccupy our mind. And you remembered how one time in your life you were just totally infatuated with someone or something. I mean, we, just, we, we have a tendency as human beings to have very addictive type personalities. And we, when something new comes along, we kind of grab at it. And boy, we get, we get all excited about it. But i got to tell you this morning, there's something that is greater than anything or anyone this world has to offer. And it's the love of Christ. And the Apostle Paul says here, the love of Christ, it constrains me. He said, I, I know the other doctrines of the Word of God. He said, I'm a theologian of theologians. But he said, the love of Christ, it just preoccupies me. He said, I just keep coming back to that. And my friend, this morning, I wish we'd get a hold of that in our lives. You see, Jesus, the Bible says, is supposed to be worth more than all the things of the world. We sing this song, Jesus is all the world to me. In a couple of weeks at Vacation Bible School, we'll sing, Jesus, 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 I got him on my mind. When I read my Bible, when I, when, I, when I kneel in prayer, when I eat my pizza, when I go to church, I got him on my mind. And we'll sing that song and we'll have a lot of fun with it. But I wonder in our lives, Christian, does Jesus Christ preoccupy your mind? Do you find yourself thinking of Christ during the day? You say, well, that's kind of weird. No, 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 what has he done for you? I mean, do you understand he's given you a home in heaven? Do you understand that you have salvation? You have eternal bliss because of Christ? Do you ever find yourself thinking about the grace of God that is greater than all of your sin? Yeah? I mean, folks, let's face it. I know some of you, and some of you got a lot of sin. But God's grace is greater. Do you find yourself thinking? See, if, 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 if we were focusing on the love of Christ, it would just preoccupy us and draw us in. It would just grab hold of us. It wouldn't matter what happened around us. It wouldn't matter if we had a bad day at work. It wouldn't matter if we had some trials or temptations or some struggles. What would matter is Christ loves me, and I can't get over it. You see, Paul at this time was a mature Christian. Paul at this time had been through some battles. Paul at this time had dealt with a lot of issues in his life for being a born-again believer. And you know what Paul said? He said, man, 
He said, the love of Christ. He said, I'm constrained by it. He said, it just blows my mind. But, but, but Paul, uh, you knew Jesus loved you when you trusted him. You knew Jesus loved you as a child to sing the children's song downstairs. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Paul, you learned that. You know that I know, but isn't it good? I just can't get my mind off it. I just can't stop from focusing on that truth. All Christian today, I hope you find yourself thinking about his salvation, about his hope about His love, about your home in heaven, about your robe of righteousness, about your crown? Or do your thoughts rarely drift to the things of God, but instead to the things of this world? Are you more preoccupied with what's going on in the entertainment Hollywood scene? Are you preoccupied with sports? Are you preoccupied with what's going on in your life? I'm not saying those things are necessarily all wicked and evil. I'm just asking what's on your mind. See, folks, the love of Christ, the Bible, Paul said it constrains me or it preoccupies me. He said it's, it's really what I focus on. Why do you think Paul said rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice because he was preoccupied with the fact Jesus loved him. Folks, let's face it. If we had to be modern day Pauls, we'd pretty much say Christianity stinks in Jesus' name. I mean, let, let's face it, if, if, if today, if the police were to come in here and to take us out and to threaten to beat us 39 times with a cat of nine tails or, defy, or deny Christ, many of us would say, it ain't worth it. If we had to give up our houses and our lands, if we had to leave our families for the cause of Christ, many of us would say, it's not worth it. Yet Paul did all of that and he said, I just can't get over the fact Jesus loves me. Paul, you gave everything. Yeah, but Jesus loves me. I mean, it's just, it's always there. I can't let it go. I mean, it's incredible. Do you, I'm sure they looked at Paul. And the Bible says that they called him a fool, but he said, I'm a fool in glory for your sake. He said, Jesus loves me. He said, I can't get past it. I can't get over it. And I wish today that we grab hold of that and let the love of Christ constrain us. Hey, Christian, why do we come to church three times a week? Why do we pray? Why do we read our Bibles? Because Jesus loves me. Oh, we, yeah, you know, them Baptists, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that, and you got to do that. Try being a Jew. Just for fun, read the first five books of the Bible. Try being a Jew. I mean, you can't eat good food. You know they don't eat pork? Pork is good food, all right? How many, I love bacon. The smell of bacon, that, I, I'm t I would rather, if my wife were to have a perfume of my choosing, it would be bacon. I would never stop chasing that. Well, I love bacon. Man, if I said you, I, that's not, this truth, folks. Now, come on. That's not Bible, but it's good. Now, understand something, folks. I mean, we, we look at our Christian lives and say, oh, it's just, it's just so heavy. Not when Jesus loves you and you think about it. It'll blow your mind. It will. And yet, many of us, we've lost it. Not the fact that he loves us, but the idea. We know it. We don't think about it. I mean, really, guys, you, you, do, you do remember when you dating your wife, you didn't care what you had to do at work. You didn't care if you had to work overtime because you knew you were going home to see her. And it was exciting. It was great. And it was wonderful. And you'd go through anything. And yet, in many ways, our Christian life, it's, you know, at one time we were on fire for God. Man, we were excited to serve the Lord because I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Isn't that awesome? And you met some old fuddy-duddy Christian who said, oh, you'll get over it. 
What's wrong with you, man? If you got over it, I want to ask you, I don't know if you ever got it. You say, well, that's harsh. Well, folks, the love of Christ ought to mean something to us. It ought to preoccupy our minds. You say, well, well, well pastor, I'm I just not, not as excited as I used to be. I wish you would. I wish you would get excited as you used to be. I wish you would let the love of Christ do something in your life. You say, well, well, I, I'm trying to live the Christian life. You wouldn't try if you'd let that do something in your heart. You'd say, sign me up. I'll do it. I'll be next in line, man. I'm willing, I'm willing to go anywhere, do anything, put up with anybody for him. Why? Because the love of Christ, it constrains us. It constrains us. Oh, folks, I could use so many examples here, and I won't for time purposes. But would we grab hold of that? I really wish that as you walk out of here today, you'd ask yourself, how often do I think of him? Most of us, it's about as often as we're in church. Other than that, we check out. We say, well, be back next week about the same time. Hope he tells something funny so I don't fall asleep. Now, folks, we, we, we got to get back to letting the love of Christ constrain us. Lastly, this morning, it compels me or forces me. The love of Christ, it compels me to love him. In 1 John, in chapter 4, we are told that we love him because he first loved us. My Savior loved me. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't you ever think that, Oh, oh, I, I love you, God. God says, You don't know how long I love you. He said, Before you were born, I loved you. Before you had hair on your head, I loved you. Before you were even in the womb, I loved you. Before you were ever a thought in this earth, I loved you. He said, I loved you before the world was formed. I loved you for eternity. And we take our meager love, and I thank God for our meager love and for those who offer it as a sacrifice to Him. But i got to tell you this morning, I want you to understand, He first loved us. And because He first loved us, it compels me to serve Him. The love of Christ, it constrains me, or it forces me to serve God. The love of Christ is why I get up and serve the Lord. It's why I go to church faithfully. It's why I read my Bible. It's why I pray. It's why I love others. It's why I forgive again and again and again. It's why I help the weak. It's why I lift the fallen. Why? Because he loves me. You say, oh, no, no, you're, you're a good man. I had a fellow I visited here last week, and, and he said, oh, he was telling me what a good guy I was, and, and, and boy, really tickling my ears. And who, who doesn't like to hear that you're a good fellow? Amen? I like it when people, oh boy, you're just a great guy. But i got to tell you, that's not why I serve God. It's not why I try to please the Lord. It is because He loves me. And folks, because He loves me, it compels me and it forces me. Do, do you remember, gentlemen, when you first started dating and, 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 and she said, I don't like it when you have body odor? None of your guy friends ever told you that. They just put up with it or they had it with you. Do you remember that? And you just stunk? Yes? And, 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 and that, 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 little, that little dainty thing that you fall head over heels, she said, ooh, that stinks. You used to think it was manly, right? I smell worse than any guy out there. That's right. My body odor, it reeks. Remember how you used to have stinky feet? And then you got married and your wife said, can you please throw those in the laundry? Oh, I'd do that gladly. 
whatever, you haven't picked up a piece of laundry since you were born. <laughs> but the love you had compelled you. I'd gladly do that. If your parents would have seen you at that moment, they'd have fallen over dead of a heart attack. <laughs> and yet, your love forced you. And this morning, I, I'd like to challenge you. Hey, Christian, <laughs> is the love of Christ compelling you to do anything? You see, Peter was a very loyal follower of Jesus Christ. But the day came where Peter denied and cursed the name of Jesus vehemently. It wasn't under his breath. It wasn't as he was walking away. It was very forward. It was very blunt. It was very open. And everybody said, Woo! Maybe he ain't a follower. But the day came after Jesus Christ arose, and you read the story in John 21. But Jesus came to Peter, and he reconciled Peter to himself, and he asked the question. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these and Peter said, Jesus, you know that I love you. And folks, i got to tell you, see, from the moment Peter and Jesus reconciled, Peter lived a life that was an example. It was one of the most blessed testimonies this world has ever seen. He raced to the grave for Christ. History says that when Peter was martyred, he refused to be martyred on a cross as Jesus was martyred or crucified. He requested that he be crucified upside down. He said, I don't deserve to die in a manner that my Savior did. And I'll tell you, folks, it wasn't that Peter finally said, Jesus, you know I love you. It was the fact that every time Jesus asked Peter that question, he said, Lord, I know, I know how much you love me. I know you died for me. I know you were buried for me. I know you suffered for me. You know I love you, but I don't love you like that. And when Peter was reconciled, the love of Christ it constrained him, and it pushed him to serve God. History says that all of the apostles, save John, were martyred. Why? And by the way, John was, tried, they tried to kill him, they just couldn't. God wouldn't let him until he said it was time. Why? Were they, oh, the, they, were, they were good men, they were pillars of their community. No, they weren't. They were ignorant and unlearned fishermen. The Word of God says it. They were nothing special. Everybody else looked at them and marveled, but I'll tell you something. One day, watching Jesus Christ be crucified, and three days later, realizing He had risen from the tomb, they said, Jesus Christ is exactly who He said He was, and He did it all for me. It compels me. It compels me. got to serve him. Folks, the, the, the pages of history are full of men and women who met their deaths prematurely by our standards. They were killed for their faith. They were driven into lions. They were tortured. They were sawn asunder. They were, they were, they were literally ripped apart by wild beasts. And you know why they did it? Oh, they were good people. Yes, they were good people. But that isn't what drove them to that. It was the fact that Jesus loved them. And it forced them. It forced them. It compelled them. They said, I'll do anything. I would never deny his name. I would never deny my faith. You remember, as a, as a, as, as a young man, boy, somebody would say negative about that girlfriend, something negative about your girlfriend, or something would say, somebody would say something derogatory about your wife, and you're ready to cold cock them, amen? 
And it wasn't in Christian love. You were just ready to knock their sorry head off. Why? You loved them. You loved them and you were forced by that to do something. My friend, in a much greater sense, we ought to be forced or compelled to serve God because of His love toward us. It wasn't Peter's strength or character or sense of honor, but the love of Christ that he gave him in a weakened, fallen moment that drove him to his martyr's death. You see, this morning, I just want to ask you, are you constrained by the love of Christ? You say, well, well Pastor, the, the love of Christ, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It is. It is. It's what holds us together. It's what arrests me or binds me to him. It's what preoccupies my life. And it's what is to compel us to serve Him. But can I ask you this morning, are you constrained by His love? You say, well, well, Pastor, I'm glad Jesus loves me. That's a great truth, but are you constrained by it? What do you do when nobody's watching? What do you do when nobody else is around? What do you do when you're with those buddies? What do you do in the privacy of your own home? What do you do in the privacy of your own mind? Are you compelled? Are you constrained? Are you restricted from doing what you would do to please Him? You say, oh, well, i, I got to have my own life. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He said, it's not about me. It's not about my life. It's not about my wants. It's not about my desires. It's not about my ambitions. It's about Him. And he said, everything in my life revolves around my Savior. Hey, Paul, you're one of them religious freaks, aren't you? Nope, just constrained by His love. You're a fanatic. No, Jesus loves me. Oh, Paul, you you got to calm down, you know. You, you're getting a little too religious. Some of you folks who try to serve God, you come out of a life of sin. You come out of a life of degradation. Some of your friends tell you that. You say, oh, you're getting too serious about this religion stuff. No, no. Jesus loves me. And I just can't get over it. And folks, this morning I want to ask you the question. Are you constrained? You say, well, <laughs> well, no. That's a cute little thought. It's a lifestyle. Are you constrained? See, Paul said it keeps me. It binds me. It arrests me. It preoccupies me. It compels me. And friend, this morning, I want to ask you, what's the love of Christ doing? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. In a moment, we'll have the instruments begin to play. But before we do that, friend, I want to ask you, if you're in this room this morning and you can hear my voice, how many of you truly know Christ as your Savior? How many are born again? If I could have you raise your hand and put your hands down. Friend, is there any person in here today We've talked about the love of Christ. 
We've talked about what it does or what it ought to do. But is there anyone in this room that's never accepted that? You've never come to a place in your life where you realized you were a sinner condemned? That without Christ, your home for all eternity would be at the lake of fire? But you've come to a place this morning where you see that Jesus paid that penalty. He sacrificed His body. Gave His life so that you could be born again. My friend, if you're in here and you're without Christ, could you just very quickly raise your hand? I'll not, I'll not point you out. I just want to see that hand and pray for you. Is there anybody in here today who's without the Savior? Christian, what's the love of Christ doing to you? Is it constraining you? Or is it just one of those things that we sing about, you know? Jesus loves me, this I know. And then forget. I pray that today, the love of Christ is holding you together. That it's arresting you or drawing you closer. That it's preoccupying your mind. And that it's compelling you to serve God. My friend, if, if the Lord said something on your heart, as the piano and organ begin to play, you come to the altar. Napoleon Bonaparte, when asked if he was one of the world's greatest leaders or military men, greatest leaders, his answer was that he and Charlemagne had conquered through might and through strength. But he said the greatest leader ever was Jesus Christ. Millions, Napoleon said, have followed him, and he did it through love. Folks, Romans tells us that the love of Christ cannot be separated from his, his own. Nothing. That's the most powerful thing 
this universe knows. What is it doing in our lives? Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Folks, you, be, well, you know what? We're, let's, Jess, do you think we can show that video? Go ahead and be seated, and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. We'll give it a go.